0: Please remain standing and turn your Bibles to Lamentations 3, 22, 23. And if you don't have a Bible, it should be in front of you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. i just give you a second, because this whole mic thing is just really funny for me. Um, yesterday, we were talking about, have you guys watched Lizzie McGuire? This feels like it. This feels like the Madonna thing. Um, anyways, I feel like I've been here a couple times now, and I think it's been like around a year or so that I've met some of you, and some of you I haven't met yet or don't really remember your name, so forgive me. But um, I thought that I'd kind of share a little bit about how, um, how I even came here a little bit today. So one day I was working at home, so I work from home, so I'm, you know, and then all of a sudden I had this vid- vision in my mind of like, I was actually standing right here, like sharing with you guys about my story. And I was like, oh, like whatever, I'm gonna just dismiss it, I don't really care about it, I just like moved on. And then literally like a week later, I'm still sitting at the desk and then the image came again, the vision came again for me to come and share. And this time, like, I felt like there was a fire under my butt that was like, you need to do it, you need to do it. And then I was like, okay, I don't know. And I thought that I was like, just going crazy. And so then again, the third time I'm like driving away from my Pilates class, working out class. And then I had this urge to call Amanda and say, hey, I have had this vision and I kind of want to tell you about it. And then Brooks says, oh my gosh, that's kind of crazy because I have been praying for someone to come and share about mental health, you know? And so that has been, I guess, a prayer answered, which is really good. Um, and I think for me being here, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to answer all your questions, but I hope that through my story, um, you can hear God and how much he loves and cares for you. Um, so after spending much of my time here, um, and I've shared this opinion many times, which I think is a fact, and this fact actually has gotten me into some um, frenemies. In-N-Out Fries are indeed better than Dick's Burger Fries. Um, what do y'all think? Um, I'm hearing some, I'm hearing some um, like disses and boos. So I guess what the people around you ask them, are they team In-N-Out Fries or team Dick's Burger Fries? And if they haven't been to either, what's their favorite fries spot. So turn, turn to the people next to you. <laughs> Okay, so is there a verdict? I don't know. What do you guys chose? What did you guys choose? Just let me know after, I guess. McDonald's. McDonald's. Okay, okay, McDonald's. I still really like In-N-Out fries, light well specifically. So if you ever go to California, come to In-N-Out. I'll take you there. All right, I'm gonna pray for us because um, it's actually been a long time since I've shared my story. So, and I'm and I'm nervous actually. Um, So, if you could pray with me. Um, God, we just pray in this moment, Lord. We thank you so much for giving um, us life, for giving me life. Um, The days that I um, were at my lowest, the days that I was scared to wake up, um, you were with me, Lord. And I pray for each and every one of us today. Um, that are here in this moment um, you brought us all here for a reason um, to hear from you um, and I pray that my story today Lord the one that you've been with me all along that you can use it and multiply it um, for anyone here in Jesus name we pray amen okay so in and out has always I know I'm going back to in and out here in and out has always been a safe, my safe space, believe it or not. Um, I don't always go there for the food. Sometimes I go there to get iced tea or lemonade and I just sit there and zone out and people watch. It's the best, it's the best place to zone out. Um, it has a lot of memories for me. It's where I went to after prom um, and it's where I go after concerts. Um, it's also where I go when I just want a cheap meal um, and I just want to sit there and hang out. But especially in the last two years, it's actually been a really special place for me. Um, It's been a safe space for me, um, specifically the In-N-Out parking lot. And um, it's where I go when I just want to unwind. And so I'm asking you, where is your safe space? Um, Where you feel completely yourself, where um, even sometimes being there makes you, or the smell of the place even makes you feel grounded. Um, so, you know, think about that, think about that safe space for you. Maybe it's your room, uh, maybe it's your car, maybe it's in the arms of someone, um, you know, any, any place, right? Some place that makes you feel safe. Um, so I'll get back to this, um, about this safe space and how this in and out parking lot became my, I guess, place. Um, but I did want to share a little bit about my family and how I grew up. Okay, perfect. This is a picture of my family. I guess I'll go from left to right. My mom's on the left, that's me. Mason, who's my nephew. Omega, that's my brother-in-law. Mark, um, who is totally not looking at the camera now that I just looked at it. Um, That's my other nephew. And then Bianca, who's his fiance. And then my sister, and then my dad, who's always in cool shades. You'll You'll never find him not without shades. So I grew up in a Vietnamese family like most of you. Um, I have parents who immigrated here back in the 80s. I also have a sister right there um, who is 13 to 14 years older than me. We're like completely opposite. She is um, like, I like black or dark colors or fall colors. And she loves like pink and flowers and like everything I like, she hates. Okay, so just know that. So it's really easy when it comes to Christmas shopping because I just pick up something I don't like and then I give it to her. And um, on top of us just being completely opposite, uh, my parents are very different too. Uh, my dad loves taking selfies. Uh, my friends can attest to this. Um, in fact, I think on his phone is just a lot of pictures of himself more than anything else. Um, and, and he'll send pictures of himself to me um, all the time. Uh, My mom, on the other hand, uh, hates being part of photos. She's, like, super camera shy, doesn't want to be in anything. So, actually, five minutes before this, she was, like, hiding behind a tree, and we had to literally drag her out to take this photo. So, that gives you a little bit of my parents there. Um, You know, they grew up in a hardcore Buddhist um, background, my parents. Um, And my sister, at that time... Um, was a high schooler when they came over here to the States in 1992, which is a year before I was born. I know that some of you guys were born in 2000, which is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, my sister was a high schooler when she came here. So just imagine, I'm, I'm sure most of you probably can relate or can't relate, but she grew up with really strict parents who told her, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. And I think that just has to come from a place of like, Um, unknown territory, unknown ground, right? So like, we don't know what's out there, so don't go out there. Um, But a part of this, um, being part of strict parents, um, she actually decided to run away from home. Um, And she, and I still remember actually the day that she got really mad at my mom and stormed out the room and left the house and packed nothing actually. And um, she never came back. She never came back, you know, for like two years. And then um, it was kind of crazy. But my mom at this time, I think she was going to church a little bit here and there with her friends. And she had prayed, God, if you're real, God, if you're real, then have my daughter come back and I'll dedicate my whole life, my whole family to you. And um, it's crazy, but. The next day she did come back, which that was like a change in our life because that meant that our whole family was like saved, right? We were like, okay, now we're serious about this. So ever since that day, my parents started plugging me into this sport called church. I was at every church program, and on Saturdays, my mom would drag my butt to go mop the church floors, So just imagine just me being a five-year-old, seven-year-old, mopping. And she wasn't, not the Swiffer type, she was like on hands and knees like Cinderella. And so we would mop every corner of the church and half the time I hated it, half the time I loved it. And growing up, I actually felt like there were moments where I, oh my gosh, why are my parents dragging me? And there were moments where like, I love it. There's cool people here, my friends are here. So, and at one point, um, I was going to three churches. I was going to an American church, a Chinese church, and a Vietnamese church, three different sports camps, three different sports teams, Um, and it was a lot, you know. Um, Slowly though, actually going for me, actually going to these churches for me, it helped me form my faith, um, and the faith actually became my own. And more and more, he became real to me. Um, I started going on missions trips in high school group, um, serving on leadership at my youth group. And then uh, my last year of high school, um, I became president of my Christian club, which is pretty funny. Um, I had convinced the whole youth group that we needed to make pho to fundraise for the group. So I'll have to find a picture of that. Um, so we made pho for everybody in the high school. My mom, like, had, like, gallons of pho to sell. Anyways, side note. Uh, college was pretty funny. Uh, I <laughs> I tried my best. I think I was laughing at this, even though I was reading out loud. College was pretty funny. I tried my best to blend in. I told myself not to be weird, which... <laughs> I don't know if that ever worked. You can attest to that. My friends from college are here. Um, I came into school thinking I'd be a nursing major, but after two years, I switched to intercultural studies, which is the study of missions. Uh, We were known for, I guess, having uh, no socks or no shoes around campus and walking barefoot. Uh, During college, I served as a worship leader at my church. Um, I went on two missions trips to Vietnam and India. And then on my last year my friend invited me to serve at his church as a college intern and i really loved my college years you know looking back at it and i felt like i made really good friends and uh, god was really good at the end of my fourth year uh, my college past or my youth pastor actually sent me a care package and every single semester he would send me like a care package and i remember us we were like sitting outside of like um, a coffee shop and I was like, oh, my gosh, cool. I got a new care package from On." I, like, opened it, and it was, like, a beat-up backpack, a bunch of old shirts. And I was like, what is this, you know? And then a little note, he said, oh, this backpack and these shirts are from Ichan. And she wanted to give them to you. She's had them since college. And I was like, oh, wow, you know? And I was like, and then I, like, straight up, because I had a really dungy backpack, so I you know, switched. And then I was carrying a new backpack after that moment. And in the little card, he said, um, and I was wondering if you would want to come back and serve with me uh, when you graduate from college. And of course, I said yes, uh, because one, I just love him and them, but also um, there was this thing called loans. So I had a lot of loans to pay off. So I thought this would be good to get a job right after college. Um, so I spent six years um, at this church growing the youth group um, from scratch, um, growing the college group, and then starting the women's ministry, um, volunteering at other youth camps. Um, and so at one point, like, there's this one month where every weekend I was at a camp. So I'd be like, work, 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 work. Friday, drive up the mountain, come down the mountain Sunday, work, 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 do the same thing, and, and again, and again, and again, for a whole month, and I lived off of my, basically, backpack, and, yeah, and there were all different church camps, you know, some that I had a chance to share my testimony at, some that I just served and played dodgeball all day, um, and so they were really good, so every chance... To serve, I was there, and I always said yes, and I think that's something that we inherit from our parents, probably, Um, working. uh, We see how hard they work. Um, I enjoyed the rush of serving. I enjoyed having fun. Uh, I enjoyed loving people and meeting new people. I am an extrovert, if you didn't know from the first time I was here, but now you know. Um, But I was noticing myself getting more and more tired, like, Six years, I think by, you know, my last year, I was getting really exhausted. I was, like, irritated with everybody. Everyone pissed me off. I was PMSing, you know, like, every day. Like, um, and, you know, like, you would work on Sundays, but during the week, you would have, like, church meetings. And I would have, like, youth group meeting, missions meeting, women's meeting, other meetings from other churches. And so it just quickly filled up. um. I tried my best to keep up with my friends. I struggled with wanting their approval. I would text them to see how they were doing, but truly I was dying. Um, I never spent any time with my family at all. I just served. Um, And I was going through burnout pretty much. And I think some of you have been there too. Um, So 2020, was my last year of serving. what's oh, it's 2023, three years ago. Um, I completely withdrew myself from everything. It was really nice, too, because it was COVID. So I got to step away and be locked up in my room. Uh, during this time, I realized that I actually never took a break from serving since the day that my parents brought me to church, right? Which is crazy. So that's basically 27 years of my life. Um, When you're a kid, you're told to help your parents in church, and as you grow older, you're mopping floors, and at some point, somehow, now you're serving at many, like, church camps. It was just a lot of serving. So while I was serving at this church, I also had a full-time job, by the way. Um, I needed more money to pay off my loans, Um, and at the beginning of 2021, um, everybody was starting to go back to work, Um, like, work was getting busier, and... I took a break for a year, and I remember saying, "God, okay, you know what, God? It's been a year now. I'm ready to serve again. Okay, it's you know, you gave me a year break. I'm here. I'm ready to serve again." And it was really funny because um, God had other plans for me, and I was about to go through the hardest time of my life. Um, I met a new friend in March. <laughs> in March 2021 and their name was Anxiety Uh, I remember a couple times in a week I would have vivid dreams of my parents dying um, in dreams I couldn't save them there was dreams like they were over a cliff and my mom would be hanging and I couldn't grab her and she would fall and I would watch her fall there's dreams where like I was sitting at my dad's deathbed and I was just crying, watching over them. And you know when you cry so much in your dream that you wake up and you're like in tears and you're like, what the heck? And then you wipe away that one tear and now you're awake and you're like, what was that dream all about? And you were just like frazzled up by it. Um, That was pretty much me for that dream. Um, And I really didn't think much of it. I was like, I'm not too stressed out at work. I'm living a good year. I took a break from serving, I'm fine. And then April was my birthday month. Um, Everything was fine. I was on a health kick. Um, I had lost a lot of weight and felt great. I had threw myself like a private dinner, uh, private birthday dinner. I was like living the life in April, didn't think much of it. Um, Yeah, so April was good. Um, I remember one day though, um, I was driving to my favorite coffee shop and on the way there, I found myself just bursting in tears, like I'd be driving, and then all of a sudden I would come. I'm like, and then I would hyperventilate, and I didn't know what was going on, and I couldn't drive. So then I had to pull on the side of the road and sit there while my car was on, and then just cry and cry and cry, and then hyperventilate. And I didn't know what was going on. I really didn't understand what was happening to me. Um, and that happened for the next nine months, I would be crying, step on the side of the road, cry more, didn't know what was going on, hop back on the road. It was to the point where like I lost control of my body. And if I was driving, I would probably crash into something and, you know. So um, it was also really complicated because around this time I liked someone. Um, they were my coworker who slowly became my friend. Um, he wasn't a believer and in fact, he was probably the most like, I hate God and Christians in the galaxy. Um, he basically was like, God is a lie. God isn't real. You should never follow God. Um, but for some reason, he piqued my curiosity and I was like, oh, you know, like, what, do you, what are your questions? You know, why, why are you, um, why don't you think God is real? Uh, why don't you think Christians? um, I was just curious. Like, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Um, But it went from me telling him how God is real to me believing God is not real. So I started questioning my faith. Uh, We would hang out a lot uh, with his friends. His friends became my friends. Slowly, I started, you know, hanging out with all of them. We would go to parties and um, and this person became someone I really like confided in. Um, he always, and, and I've never met a person like this guys, but he always picked up the phone. He could probably be sitting on the toilet and he would pick up his phone. Um, and whenever I called, he was there. Um, whenever I was on the side of the road, hyperventilating, I would call him and he was there picking up and he would just listen. And then, you know, I'd be super sad driving back from work, call, again, it would always pick up. And so he became my best friend and someone I really emotionally depended on, like, throughout the day, right? Um, so while I was going through my nightmares and uh, my random crying moments that were still going on, remember, for nine months, In June, uh, my work had told me that I had to lay off half of the people in my company. And if you don't know, um, I work in HR, which is kind of like, I guess the department that hires people, basically brings people together if they fight kind of thing. But I was in charge of laying off half of the people in my company. So there are 300 people and then I had to say bye to 150 of them. Um, It was actually a really hard time for me, Um, because it's like you're walking around, and you know the fate of these people's lives, but they don't know, so they're just laughing and having fun for like a month, but then you know that they're going to lose their job, and some of them were like single parents. Some of them were like, you know, uh, recent grads. Uh, Some of them, actually, I knew some of them were struggling with depression, right, so just imagine hearing the news that I had to stop this from them from their job right so they didn't have a means to live um and this also brought me a wave of stress so after this I started to have insomnia which is you don't sleep pretty much you lose sleep you can't sleep Uh, lack of eating, or just irregular eating, I would find myself like super hungry, then super not hungry. And then whenever I'd be around certain people, I would not eat at all. Um, And then there was also moments where I had um, chronic inner biting, which is when you bite your inner mouth. And that that leaves you with sores. Um, And so I had a lot of sores in my mouth. And so I had a lot of stress. And I think the only, per, the only people that I really told at the time were like some of my friends. I never really expressed like how stressed I was. Um, I would tell my parents like, oh, I have to lay off again. Um, and this kind of happened for a long time. So that was the first out of four layoffs that I had to do. So the first one was 150 people, and then slowly, slowly, then the last time it was me and I laid off myself, which was honestly kind of a relief. Because I was like, I don't have to be in this anymore. Um, So by July, (laughs) by July, um, I started testing out the waters. I started telling some of my friends, hey, I don't think I believe in God anymore. Um, Yeah. By July, I said, I don't think I believe in God anymore. I was searching for answers that I was wondering or questions that I had and it's not to say like I never had questions throughout my faith journey um, but I started having these questions that I used to be scared of asking them but now this time I was like I'm not going to run away from them anymore like if what results out of this is that I don't believe in God anymore then at least I tried my best and searched the answers myself so um Just imagine a house that you've built, and all of a sudden, the foundation is gone. Your house crumbles. Um, My faith in Jesus was that foundation for me. So if he isn't real, just take a second here. Like If God isn't real, then the last 15 years that I was slaving away was for who? And then at night when I would pray, who was that to? You know, I was like, it was really mind boggling, especially if you grew up in the church, you're like, so what is life then? Um, And I said, if this man was the one who gave me a reason to live, that's what everybody says at church. But I don't have him anymore. What's the reason to live? What's my purpose in life, right? God is the purpose of my life, but God isn't real anymore. So what's really the purpose uh, this made me so sad and confused. Jesus was not around anymore, so who can I lean on? So I started thinking, all right, if God isn't real anymore, then what can I do? So I started uh, leaning on myself. Um, that's what a bunch of my friends around me at that time were doing. They were like, you know, you, you make your own life. You pave your own path, right? Um, my non-church friends became my real friends um i surrounded myself with a guy that i liked who was again remember like did not like god did not like christians strongest person whatever out in this galaxy um and i started reading a lot of self help books which are good books but that's what my whole life was on right my whole life was on these books that i'd read to solve my own inner stress Um, and I started embracing that, Hey, you know what, all the money that I make, it's all because of me, that car, me, you know, like my food, me. And I was like, I'm a boss. Right. And, and in a very, like, trying to convince myself that I'm a boss. Um, and then a lot of it was effort. It's my life. My life, anyways. Like, who really cares? Like, you know, it's how I want to live. Uh, During this time, some of my church friends didn't really care about my advice anymore. You know, you start to realize, like, when you tell them that you don't really believe in God anymore, they start kind of looking at you weird. Uh, Diana is different now. So, what she says is, or the advice that she gives is, of this world, it's not real. You know, she's probably giving, like, advice from herself. Um, I started distancing myself from them because the love they had was only offered to those who were similar to them. As in, they only loved the people who were like them. They didn't love the people who were, like, in doubt. Um, Really different from them. You know, and I was like, ooh, that's a turnoff. I don't want to be with some of those people Uh, they didn't care about me as a person Um, they were more worried that I was losing my faith than being with me in my life Um, I really wanted them to say I still love you for you and no matter what I'll go through this with you Um, and at that time my non-church friends were all the ones that were telling me that yeah I'm with you Dude, yeah, F God. Yeah, I don't know who he is. But yeah, you have us. So my parents have been wanting to move out of California at this time. And earlier in the year, they said, okay, let's check out Austin, Texas. Have you guys ever been to Austin? I see some nods. Um, The land of great barbecue. Um, If you haven't haven't been there, just be prepared. It's super hot right now. And um, just imagine sweating and eating barbecue. Um, In August and September, um, we started buying the house. And this is the first house that I have ever bought for my parents. And um, I was pretty stressed out. I was like, Like, all my money that I had stored up was pretty much for this house that I wasn't going to live in. But I was super grateful that I could bless my parents with it. And so I remember struggling because someone had said, Diana, you should look into therapy, right? And I said, but I have no money. I have no money for therapy. I'm broke AF is what I said. And then um, I remember they said, um, like, I remember they said, well, why don't you, like, look into something else or why don't you read a book or why don't you go talk to someone? And I was like, I kind of, like. Drowned it out, and didn 't really hear about it anymore um, but by the by by the beginning of October, we had picked a house um, and so that was kind of crazy but in mid October, um, I met another friend, and their name was depression uh, Depression was different actually uh, I said, depression provided a shade over any good thing that was trying to shine. I'll say that again. Depression was different. Uh, depression provided a shade over any good thing that was trying to shine. Things that used to give me joy didn't spark joy anymore. Things I'd be excited for would be like a lull. Or, or it's like I would be really happy in front of my friends but then at home, I'd be like, ah. yeah, that's exactly what I looked like, actually, um, in my bed. Um, I remember one day, though, I didn't want to hang out with anyone. Uh, plus, I had no energy, too. I don't know if you ever feel that way. Um, I just wanted to go away, so I drove myself to a coffee shop. Um, I grabbed my, to my favorite coffee shop. I grabbed um, coffee, and I went to go find a tree and parked there, and um, I parked I always park across this elementary school and there's this really nice shade and it's, again, another great spot to people watch. Um, And I was laying there, it's almost like you could film me too, I was laying there in my car, you know, you put your feet up and I had like the window cracked open and I like looked outside and then I remember I started crying again And again, by the way, I was like crying every day throughout the day because I couldn't drive and I would have to pull on the side of the street, right? And then I thought of, what if I wasn't around anymore? Taking my life sounded easier than facing life. Like I laid there in the car looking outside. Yeah, what if I just wasn't around anymore? Oh my gosh, it would be so... Great, I would feel so relieved, you know, like taking my life was easier than going through life. And in that moment, it's kind of crazy. Uh, My best friend called me. I told her as I was sobbing, I'm so sad. I don't want to live anymore. I can't be alive anymore. I wanna leave, I like need to leave. Like I need to get out of here. I need to get out of my own body. I need to, you know, if I leave, it's sad, but if I leave, nobody will miss me. If I leave, like nobody will remember me. In fact, actually it's like, if I leave, people will mourn about it for like a year and then the next year, They'll be like, RIP, I miss my friend Diana, Posted it on Instagram, and that was it. Because I've seen it done like that. So really, what's life then? I can just take it away. Um, and she said to me, I love you, and I would be really sad if you left. I would be really sad if if any of you left. Um, my suicidal thoughts got stronger and the day, the days seemed harder to live through. Um, in December, uh, we bought the house and the realization of my parents moving away started to sink in. And if you don't remember, like I had dreams that my parents were dying and I couldn't save them. So they were moving away, which meant for me, I couldn't run after them and protect them. Um, And on top of this, I lost my childhood home where that was, like, my safe space. What the heck? I don't have that safe space anymore. It's gone. Right? And I remember on Saturday, December 11th, I found out the guy that I liked, my best friend, remember, the one I fully depended on, uh, was going on a date. I was like, what? We have been spending so much time together. Like, don't you like me? Um, so that night, like everything crumbled. I remember I was driving back from his house, crying and crying, again, hyperventilating on the freeway. So I had to park on the side of the freeway, turn that thing on and sat there and cried and cried and cried hours. And then I drove home and my parents were there. And I walked in. And, like, mind you, it was, like, a mess, right? Like, and everything. Um, And then I remember, the notes. like, I remember driving home, and I called, I felt like I called everybody in my mind that I could think of. Like, and nobody picked up. Nobody was helping me. God, you're not even real. I can't even call on God. The only person I had was to call on myself, which I was struggling. So why would I call on myself? Um... I remember I got home I opened the door I was crying and this this was the first time my parents had witnessed my panic attack just imagine your parents like poor Vietnamese parents witnessing you have a panic attack and I was like running mad like let me describe to you I was like packing up my clothes, packing up my clothes up here, walking back and forth, running. I just wanted to scream. I, like, yelled. I was like, ah! Like, I was, like, crazy, manic, like, running back and forth. And just imagine your parents just, like, what is going on? And I'll, like, never, ever forget my mom's face. You know when, you like, you remember someone's face so well? My mom was, like, helpless. The face of helpless. The face of... What am I, what is going on? What the heck is she doing? You know? And I remember I um, ran around screaming in the house. I was crazy. Those five minutes felt like forever. I was on my phone, trying to book a flight to LA. Like I was like, one way ticket. I need to book it now, right? I need to book it now, I need to get out of here. I need to go to my friends, I I need to go somewhere. I need to get out of here. But then all of a sudden, I was like, but then I'm running away from my problems. So then I canceled it. And then five seconds later, I booked it again. And then I canceled it again. Like, I did this three or four times. Like, I was crazy. And, like, I was shocked because I was not, I was so unfamiliar with who I was becoming. Like, I'm like, who is this person right now that's going crazy, that's, like, running back and forth? And... I remember that as I was crying and I sat down on my chair, my mom hugged me and I just wept in her arms. I like wept, I like cried, like cried so hard because um, like I didn't recognize myself. I looked in the mirror and I didn't know who I was. I didn't know like what this anxiety was. I, I, I thought it would never happen to me. I thought like depression would never happen to me. I knew like I always had some thoughts of like, oh, I could die. But I didn't think to this extent where I would map out like how I was gonna die, you know? And I was going crazy. Like, and I remember I was in my mom's arms while I was crying and she said, which is why are you crying? Tell mom. Tell me. And I remember like. I had no words. Like. I had no words to tell her. Like a helpless mom and a helpless me. In my mom's arms. At the age of 28. I'm 30 right now. It was only two years ago. I'm like crying. You know. In my room. In my mom's arms. I just remember feeling like. I'm such a different person now. And everything in my life has changed. The guy I like doesn't like me anymore. Work was super comfortable. But it's not anymore. I had to lay off everyone. Uh, The house I grew up is now gone. Right? We're selling the house. Um, My parents about to leave. But I can't save them. Uh. The people that I thought were close to me, I no longer felt comfortable with. And God, my faith was gone. Non-existent. So everything in my life had changed. Like every facet of my life. And I've never been so not, like, like I've never felt that way before where I couldn't control something. My whole body I couldn't control. My mind I could not control. Clearly, Right. Um and at that point I told my parents that night I said I don't know what this is but people say that it's anxiety and depression <laughs> uh it's really foreign to me and I'm sure that it's also foreign to you um they saw me at my worst you know and I told actually after that I told my sister I called up my sister and I said hey I'm going through depression I'm going through anxiety didn't even know what that was she had to like google it you know she thought it was just like you're really sad for one day or something like that um and I told my family and I think after telling them and after seeing my parents face I said if I don't live for myself I'm gonna live for my family like if I'm not going to live for myself anymore and if everything in this world isn't, which is totally shaking, I want to live for my family. I'm going to stay alive because I love my family. Like if I die, the people that I know will be in such heartbreak and pain the most will be my parents. I can't do that to them. And so I was like, I'm living, I'm living today. And so as the panic attack went away that night, I told my parents, I told my dad, I was like, I want to be alone, get out of my room. I want to be alone. Um, He says, which is really funny. He said, you should go to Target or something. Like go to In-N-Out, go get a burger, go get shakes or fries. Do you want me to go with you? I was like, no, I want you to get in my room. And so I took my car, went to In-N-Out and there I was at an In-N-Out parking lot eating my burger, shakes and fries, um, the fries that I love. Um, And in that parking lot, I cried to God, which reminds me now that I'm talking about it, like, of my mom. In the parking lot, I cried to God, if you're real, (laughs) then show yourself. I'm tired. Like, the past nine months, I've been working my butt off. You know, I was like, every day, I was like an emotional thing. This guy that I like no longer likes me. I don't really, I don't really know. We're in a situation ship. I don't understand it. The house, it's gone. I am about to lose my job. The people that I call my friends are no longer here. I called everyone that I could remember and no one picked up besides my old youth pastor. I guess I found someone else that would always pick up my calls. Um, I remember him picking up and I had told him like, bah, like I just told him everything. And like at the same time, like I was you know, struggling with my words and my tears, you know, when you're like, <sighs> yeah, I was like that. And I'm like an ugly crier too. So, um, but all I remember him saying was God's mercies are new every morning. And I'm like, I didn't know who God was, but this sounds cool. I guess that verse is, you know, this saying is keeping me motivated. It's keeping me out of anxiety. So I hung on tight to this. I didn't know if God was real, but the saying helped me. The next day, you know, when you wake up and again, anxiety happens again. You wake up and you're like, how am I going to go throughout today? Are you lay in bed and you're just like curled up? I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do today. Um, every hour I was wondering if I could die already. Yeah, every hour I was wondering if I could die already. Then I would remember, his mercies are new every morning. I don't know whose mercies, but On said it to me, which my youth pastor said it to me. So it's a really great quote, so I'll just continue on. I know it's from God. It's not like I never heard this, but... I guess new things are going to come my way, um, and I knew after this I needed to get help. Like this whole situation where I was constantly trying to die was like getting out of hand. You know, my parents were like, "You need help." My sister was like, "You need help." I I wasn't close to my family before, and now I am close to my family, and they were like, "You need help." So the week of January sixteenth, twenty twenty two. Um, I remember I would waken up that morning, and I immediately was like, I need to live. Again, I need to live for my family. I signed up for therapy right away, literally went on psychology today, Googled some chick, don't know who she was. She looked pretty, so I was like, okay, this, I'll go with her. Um, I also signed up for Pilates that day that I woke up. And that was the first day that I started working out um, again. And I went to my first class. And I was like, this is stupid, but I guess it's cool. Um, But I knew, like, if I don't do something with my body, I'm going to end up dying, right? I would end up killing myself. So I had to exert the energy somewhere. I had to go somewhere to find something. So I was determined to find help found this random therapist who looked pretty on photo, uh, swiped right on her, said, I'm gonna meet with this girl. Um, And I plugged myself back into church because that was the only thing that I was used to, right? Like going to church every Sunday. So I just would sit in the back at this random church that my friend went to and started going. Um, And I remember the only person I knew, which was really nice, was the brochure lady who handed out like the agenda of the day or whatever. Um, And that's the only lady that I knew. And it was a really, like, dark Hollister church where you, like, sit in the back and nobody can see you. Um, And I loved that, you know. I loved that. I loved that I could sit there and judge the pastor and judge the people here and be like, you don't even know who you guys are worshiping. Uh, You don't even know that he's not real, actually. You know, me being jaded. Um, But every Sunday I went because my body was used to that. And I was all about finding rhythm again. Um, so remember my therapist, the one that I was talking about that I swiped right on. Um, she, she looked really nice in her photo. I guess that's a great way to find someone. Um, in my first session with her, I found out that she grew up Christian. Oh, by the way, I wasn't looking for a Christian therapist. She grew up Christian. She was Vietnamese. She was also, um, she also grew up in the Bay, serving at a Vietnamese church like me. And her younger sister's name was Diane. And I was like, what a coincidence, you know? And to people, they would be like, that's God. But I'm like, what a coincidence. What a coincidence that I would find someone who's all that when I was just really looking for like just someone. It didn't matter who it was. And I remember in my fourth session, she told me, I will fight this with you until the gates of hell. I will fight depression and anxiety with you up until the gates of hell. And it was my first time that I like saw light at the end of the tunnel. So this entire time I was like in dark. And I remember she told me, I'm gonna fight this with you all the way to the end. Wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. And I have never had someone say that to me. Like I could finally breathe. Someone had told me that they were going to go with me all the way to my grave. That's kind of crazy. So over the next several months in therapy, we worked together to break up with my situationship. If you're in one of those, I understand. Um, Overcome the fear of my parents dying, my nightmares. Um, Some of my eating habits, some of my chronic inner biting. A lot of those were winning moments. Like she started, we started working through this, you know, and the entire time she never talked about God. We actually never talked about God. I probably talked about God and said like, yeah, I don't really know. she waited for me you know she waited for me to be ready to talk about that so at that time I was like man it's great like I I, I broke up with this guy we weren't dating but I broke up with this guy you know everything is gone now um, but the hardest thought which was my foundation was God like, God isn't real like my 15 years of my life like I slaved away from this person like who is this And we spent weeks drilling down my doubts, the questions I I had asked that I was really afraid for the answer, Um, the questions that the guy had asked but I had no answers for, I would ask her. Um, And like every question you could think of, like if God is so good, how could he make this happen? How could kids die? How is North Korea still around, like killing people? How is such bad things still happening to people? How could you be laughing and then someone's dying at the same time around the world? So I started asking her these questions. And I realized that it was very freeing to get mad at whoever this person was, this higher being, this God. And so for a good couple therapy sessions, I'd be like, F this guy. (laughs) I'd be like, this guy is like, he wants me to do all these things. This guy isn't God. Um, He wants me to do all these things. I did all these things. My whole family's slaving away, you know, and like, it's quote unquote serving, but I've done so much for him. And I was like really irritated. I was like, oh man, I'm getting really mad at God. And the more and more I went through therapy, The more and more that anything that I was like, this is unfair. How can people be dying? I looked up and I said, how can you let this happen? That was so freeing. Like something that I'll never forget that in the moment when I was going through that therapy session was it's okay to get mad at God. It's actually okay to question him. He's used to that. (laughs) Um, It's okay to question his existence if he's real or not. Like, your thoughts, all of your thoughts don't scare him at all. Nothing. Nothing scares him. There's nothing new, right? And I'll never forget this, but in one of my sessions, my therapist said to me, Diana, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you in depression and anxiety. He loves you so much that he sent himself for you. Jesus loves you because that's who he is, love. And I don't think that I've heard the gospel like so clear in my life. Like Jesus loves me not because of me, but that's his character. That's who I can depend on. My nights of anxiety when I'm going crazy in my mind, I had no constant that's his character, he's constant, you know, I kind of, like, forgot about that, and in that moment, I was, like, <sighs> just to tell you, I was, like, in a closet, <laughs> and I was crying, I was at my friend's house, and I was, like, I had to take a therapy session, so I was, just like, crying, 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 and I was, like, she's, like, Jesus, and she just kept on repeating this, Damn, Jesus loves you so much to lead, to not leave you in depression, to not leave you in anxiety, he loves you so much, he loves you so much, and I was like, wah, in that closet. So it's crazy to me when I look back, you know, I can see his hand and everything. He protected me when I was wanting to die. The weeks that, um, the times that I wanted to kill myself, magically, people called me at that time. Said, hey, I really love you and I don't want you to leave. I'd be really sad if you left. And something that I feel like I've learned a little bit over this time is the battle between our bodies, anxiety, and the spirit of God, which is truth, which is, hey, I love you. In between that, our soul is there, which is the battleground. Our soul is the battleground. What are, what's in your soul? You know? What's making you feel restless? Those things don't scare God. So I'm asking you, what's in your soul? My soul was not good, clearly. I had bitterness with the people that I was serving with. I had bitterness towards God. I I was just crazy, like my whole body was not me. So lamentations which is a series I feel like most of you have been going through, um, prayer, lamenting, is an act of voicing where we're at in our souls. And so I'm gonna read this verse to you and feel free to close your eyes. It's, It's the verse that we said this morning. But I would really want for you to just take a second Um, Maybe you have some worries right now. I don't really know wherever you're at. But I'm going to read this over you, and I'm going to tell you what my therapist told me. So, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I'll say it again. The steadfast love of the Lord, his steadfast love will never cease. His mercies are new, or they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you in this state that you're at. He loves you so much that he sent himself for you. He loves you because that's who he is, love. He loves you because that's who he is, love. Read the verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, even when I cease. His mercies never come to an end, even when I don't feel like it. Or feel it. They are new every morning, every second, and every hour. Great is your faithfulness, even when I'm not. They are new every morning, even every second, and every hour. So anxiety and depression became my friends, um, but mercy and goodness have always been my friends from the start. Don't forget that, guys. If you're dealing with, you know, mental health and trauma, those are, those are recent, you know. Maybe those are recently in your life, but God says that his mercy and his goodness have been there from the start. You have those two friends next to you who are closer than anxiety and depression, even when you don't feel like it. So I end with this, I said, there's countless stories of love, but nothing is deeper than the love that will lay down their own life for you. So I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, we're Yeah, Jesus, I just don't even know what to say. Um, Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for holding me tight. Even when I was... Even during the times that I was struggling. Lord, it's so true that your mercies are new every morning. And it's so true that... Your mercies are new every second and every hour. And I pray that we'll never forget that um, your goodness and your mercy have always been our best friends. Your goodness over our lives. Your mercy over our lives. So Jesus, I pray for each and every one of us here who is dealing with... um, Seasonal depression, um, any mental health, anxiety, trauma, addictions. Lord, we come to you and we ask that you can give us the energy and the strength to live today. And we pray that you'll remind us um, tomorrow in the morning when we wake up in our beds, maybe slumped over that we can remember that your mercy and your goodness is in our lives. That Jesus loves you so much that he will not leave you where you're at. Jesus loves me so much that he would not leave me where I'm at. And Lord, I can say that I'm not there right now. I can say that your faithfulness is in my life. And so I'm grateful for your faithfulness. We're grateful for your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.